0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, good morning. Yeah. It sounds kind of beautiful, though, you know, the talking of everybody. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. I know. I know. This is the sound of fellowship. Okay, everybody. Find your seat, find someone else's seat, sit down. Someone sounds in crisis over there. so good to be with you. Let's start with a prayer that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be pleasing to God. I just want to give you a couple seconds to come before God yourself and show him what's inside of you and invite him in to do his work in your soul this morning. So go ahead and take a couple seconds just to offer your heart to God. God, we were made to commune with you every day, every moment, to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led people. God, we ask for your mercy this morning to see ourselves coming to you again, to be cleaned out, filled up. Refreshed in your presence, reconnected. Think of how sometimes when I plug in my phone; I have to juggle the cord just to make sure that it gets the power that's needed. It I can be like that some some Sunday mornings when we come here. We feel like, man, I just I need an adjustment, and I pray, Father, that. You will meet us here in a special way. We know that, that we're never far from you. We know that you cover the earth. There's no part of heaven that isn't full of you. God, we want to meet with you here this morning. We know you're holy, God, so we pray just that you will invite us in again and we can come by the, by the blood of Jesus to meet with you. pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. What are you in the middle of right now? If you're in the back and standing up, there are seats. Actually, there are five. prime seating here, the the really expensive rows. That's why no one's here, if you want to sit down. Um, What are you in the middle of right now? The book of Philippians was written from a prison cell. Paul's life probably looked like it had reached a dead end. But that is not how Paul sees his life. Paul is full of joy. Right in the middle of a terrible situation, Paul has a happy heart. Is it hard for you to be happy in the middle of the mess of life? In this sermon series, we will be learning the secret of Christian joy in the middle of whatever life throws at you. Whatever you are in the middle of right now. Now, preparing for today, I thought, what would you feel like? How would you feel if I divided everybody up into small groups and I said, we are going to do a group project? And I said, not just today, but for the next month, every Sunday, you're going to have a signed seat. You're going to come in. There's going to be a seat for you with your group And we're going to have a project, not just a project, but a project that you'll be graded on. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, right? Don't worry, we're not going to do that. Of all the things I disliked about public school, and there's a long list, I probably disliked most group projects. For someone who grew up homeschooled, getting thrown into school, public school, in high school, and uh, already there was a lot of awkwardness. And then you get connected with a group of people that you are, not to be a pessimist, but you're pretty sure they're not going to pull their weight in a group project. You know, you haven't chosen, they've been chosen for you, and you get thrown together. And it isn't just for laughs and giggles, it's for something significant is for a grade a grade that will affect not just the project but your grade in the entire class and then your gpa you are you are leaning on relying upon this group of people that you have not chosen you probably wouldn't choose to be with one thing we do learn from high school group projects is that group projects are not the way to get things done amen is there any wackos out there that really like group projects? <laughs> there we go. Come on now. Yeah, Bryce. Bryce seems like, I didn't have to do any of the work, it was great. <laughs> there we go. Oh man. Well, we often take this mentality into church. We dislike group projects. Well, unfortunately, the church is a group project. To be a part of the family of God is, by definition, a group project. It's not an individual project. It is something that we do together. And there is probably in the history of the world no group more unlikely to succeed if you just look at the people that are thrown together that you wouldn't choose, you didn't choose, that are thrown together to make up the people of God. And that's what it looked like in Philippians where the first people in the church are Lydia, right? Right? She's an outsider, wealthy, businesswoman, successful, but not someone you'd think that would be welcomed in to the church. We see this young slave girl who is freed from her oppression. We see a a jailer, a Philippian jailer, him and his family who had imprisoned Paul that are becoming a part of the church. This very motley group of people who make up the Philippian church, you wouldn't think of as... God's intended group project to represent Jesus on earth. But that is exactly what the Philippian church is called to be, and that is what you and I are called to be. God's chosen people, his light to the world. Evidence of Jesus to the world. That is the church. So today the big question is, what keeps us from being a successful group project, from being a successful church. And the answer here we get in Philippians is that we will grumble until it's really about God and not about us. And many of you might find yourself in that place with the church, with God's people. We will grumble, grumble, grumble until it actually isn't about you anymore. (laughs) Until it's about God, the church, this group project of God that He's assigned to each one of us, if we call ourselves children of God, will simply be something that we kick against and grumble about until it's about God and not about us. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's see if I can pull out that out of the scripture, right? Okay, Philippians 2. We're just gonna start in, in verse 1 and work our way to where we're at because What what Paul wants us to do in Philippians is orient ourselves or reorient ourselves away from ourselves and on the person of Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love Being one in spirit and of one mind. And that is of one spirit and of one mind with Jesus together. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Wow. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. How do we do this? Well, we orient ourselves not around ourselves, but to Jesus. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that takes us up to the last two sermons. And then today we are looking at verses 12 to 18. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation." Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I want us to see first that this passage is not to you as an individual. And that's important to see because typically when we read this, we read it to ourselves as an individual, not to us as a church, to us as the people of God. When it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that is working in you. Remember, we're orienting ourselves to understanding ourselves as the people of God together not as individuals, individually working out our salvation with free and trembling, but it's us doing this together. And that's going to be really hard, because most of us, when we read this, we're like, well, I know everyone else is screwing up at this, but I am going to do it. I'm going to be the one! <laughs> this is being told to us together as the people of God who are meant to be like-minded together with Christ not just like-minded with one another or not just like myself in my own mind, but like Christ being shaped together in his image. And Paul starts by commending these people. He says to them, therefore, friends, as you have always obeyed, continue. That's a good word. I love that. Typically, when, when Paul's writing in church, he's saying everything you're doing, Stop. Just stop, <laughs> you know, you're making us look bad. The Philippian people are different. He says, man, you've been so, so, so obedient. Keep doing it. You've shown Jesus well to your community. Keep showing Jesus well to your community. and In that, continue working out your salvation in fear and trembling. What does he mean by this? Well, this can kind of throw us off because typically we have, like we really separate salvation and working. Right? Like, man, salvation is by grace, through faith, and there's an amen to that, because what Paul says here is he says, you're not working for your salvation. He says you're working out your salvation. Now, there's, there's a big difference between purchasing a gem membership and using it, right? Amen? <laughs> amen? <laughs> is, this too, is this too much conviction for the day? <laughs> okay yeah ah. you're like you're like, Come on now, come on, it's too close to home. you're like it's not even January first yet <laughs> There's a big difference between being part of a gym and actually doing what it takes to be fit, right. It is absolutely correct that salvation is by grace. It is a free gift God gives you. You're given that gym membership. Amen? Okay. But once you are given that gift of salvation, you will not experience any of the blessings now that are here for you that, the kingdom, that we pray, your kingdom come now, your will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. That's not going to happen unless you're joining God in that work, participating in it, right? There, there shouldn't be this like separation that we often have, like, well, praise be to God, I'm saved. Now I'm just coasting. There's no such thing as coasting in the Christian life. We are actually told that we are given by his spirit an in pretty intense setup of armor so we actually can just live in the world as literally combatants, right? Combatants of peace, being peacemakers in the world. And we have to be forward, active, In that, or we'll be losing ground, getting hurt, simply get beat up in our faith over and over again. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling. To become like Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy the kingdom of God here and now requires work. And he's commending them for this. Working out their salvation in fear and trembling. And the fear and trembling... um, he's talking about here simply I think is pointing back to verses nine to eleven. God exalting Jesus to the highest place. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Right? That we as a people of God get to do this now. We don't have to wait to exalt Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, to praise the one who saves us from our sin, who heals our souls, who fills us up, who loves us unconditionally. We don't have to wait to bow our knee till someday in the future we get to do that now. That is the fear and trembling of the church that we acknowledge Jesus Christ for who he is as King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Ancient of Days, Lion of Judah, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Praise God. That is who we serve. Amen? Amen. Okay, that is us living out our, our faith with fear and trembling, living out our salvation with fear and trembling, is going, I know the one who is beginning in the end, the one who is sovereign over all things. And when we do that, we, we start, you get kind of chills, right? You start feeling what they felt when, you know, it, Peter When he was talking with Jesus, and honestly, man, Peter over and over again, one of the followers of Jesus, one of his friends, he never really acknowledged who Jesus was over and over again. He's just like trying to position himself, get authority, until Jesus does something so simple as helps him pay his taxes. And all of a sudden, Peter's astonished. Peter's afraid. He's he's afraid because Jesus is more than what this world can offer. These disciples, who, man, they just think Jesus is a sleeping bum in the boat. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps up and he calms the storm. In a moment of absolute stillness, rest, they're afraid fear and trembling, when we start seeing that God actually showed up on earth in the person of Jesus, and he showed up with absolute authority and powerful peace. And what do we do? We grow afraid. Because he uses his absolute authority not to recklessly go around slaying people with swords, but to give his life as a ransom for many, right? And, and to that King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to that sovereign, to that Alpha and Omega, to that Lion of Judah, to him is the one that we are filled with fear and trembling and we bow our knee now, right? Amen? Yeah. That is what he's talking about here. Therefore, since you see Jesus for who he is, Continue in that, living out your faith, working out your salvation in fear and trembling, because when you see the fruit of that, when you see your life lived in that proper context, you will find that it is God at work in you. In those moments where you're like, wow, that just happened, all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm discovering God at work in me. It wasn't because I was better or cooler or neater or funner or charismatic. It was because God was at work in me, fulfilling his good purpose on earth, not my plans. Therefore, dear friends, as you have obeyed, continue obeying. God is with us. God is at work. The teacher has joined the group project. So what hinders that church who is following that God from succeeding in its group project. <laughs> well, we probably couldn't guess if we were reading this letter for the first time what Paul would say. And he says, this is it. This is what keeps you from succeeding in the mission God's giving to us. Grumbling. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it'd be like immorality or like some like idolatry or like you know cheating on taxes, (laughs) grumbling. That's what's screwing up the church. That's what he says: grumbling and arguing. And the words here—it's so interesting. The word "grumbling" literally translated is muttering to yourself. Yeah, grumbling. You know, you do it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Muttering to yourself and arguing. The the word here literally means evil thoughts or reasonings, evil reasoning or just thinking ill of other people. Neither of these are highly public acts. They are often just internal postures of our hearts. They're not these big things we're doing. But these things have incredible consequence incredible consequence, grumbling and arguing. Now, many of us are proud of ourselves because we're not doing these, like, I didn't murder someone last week. Good for you. Um, Hopefully, that's not the bar you're setting for yourself each week. (laughs) It's like, bare minimum, I just did not murder somebody. Well, (laughs) there's something insidious that takes root in the people of God when when all of a sudden we like the Pharisees make it about all these like all these things, all these very public things that we're not doing, but in private our hearts are corrupting and they're 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 just growing sick by muttering and just thinking in ways I and mean, they literally ill thinking, right? Sick ways of thinking and that's often about the people that God is putting in our group project. Those that we're sitting alongside and should be worshiping this incredible Savior with, but we are muttering about them. And that is keeping us from being pure and blameless. This murmuring and ill thinking that's keeping our hearts from communing with God and one another. What I think of in this is, um, Hannah and I recently sat down with someone who had pastored a church for a long time, and they went to plant a church, and we were meeting with them, and they're no longer a part of any church, uh, but they had a lot to say about what they didn't like about the other churches, and, um, and we left, and um, both of us looked at each other, and we were like, man, that was discouraging, <laughs> you know? Um, it was discouraging because it was this. It was, it was a lot of grumbling about the other people who aren't doing it well, and so I can't be a part of what they're doing because there's not... And I just want to, just to simplify your life. Sorry. <laughs> if you are looking for a church to grumble about, look no further than the Refuge Church. <laughs> right? Don't, don't, com, don't make it complex. You don't have to look for a church down the street. Right? You're gonna find some great things here. Right, you can probably look back on today and be like, you know what? There was some, what that guy would say was saying was kinda, of, There is plenty to murmur and mutter about. I mean, do you see who's sitting alongside you right now? This is who God has chosen to be the light of the world? A city on a hill, salt, to flavor the world with his presence? And the answer is yes. And the way you are going to miss out on that and have a hard heart and lack joy is if you choose to mutter about it instead of lean in and love as Jesus loved There is very real consequences to grumbling. The consequences are this. If you grumble, you will not shine like stars, it says. You are actively diminishing your witness. You are diminishing the light of Christ on earth. Do you shine? And if you are not shining like Jesus, it is probably because you are participating in some form of ill thinking. Of other people. Are you holding to the word of life? Is it the word of life that fills your heart? If not, it is probably because there is a grumbling that is silencing the truth in your heart. Instead of the word of life coming out, there is a word of death coming out. And it sounds like this. Instead of just participating in the word of life that saves Are you ready to boast on the day of Christ of the people that you have walked through this life with? If you're not ready to boast about, man, I'm so glad I got to do life with these people, these flawed people who together are focused on a savior that is so good and so loving that he would choose people like us. Like if if you aren't ready to boast about that, then it's because you're probably grumbling. Grumbling because you're probably choosing to be argumentative or think ill. Are we a shining church? Are we a shining people together? I want to hold this in contrast to um, a grumble-free group that I saw recently. Now, most of you probably know that May 7th, the Taylor Swift ended her recent tour. I know, I know if you weren't able to make it, I'm sorry. She ended the tour in Nashville to a sold-out group of 70,000 people. Now, that group of people that is twice as large as Bremerton, filling this auditorium in Nashville, waited hours Because there was a lightning warning and it was raining like dogs and cats there. They waited hours before she came on stage. She performed three and a half hours, ended at 2 a.m. And you know what happened? No one grumbled. They loved it. They were in it the whole time. so happy. So happy. It wasn't the the rain wasn't gonna stop them. Three and a half hours. Do you think everyone was like that was such a long show? No, they were probably like encore, encore. You didn't play the like the secret track on your second album, you know, like they were in it. Now I'm not using this as a comparative, like the church should get crazy like Swifties, right? No, um, that's not the point. The point isn't it interesting when they were focused on one thing and came for one thing? They were just pumped when it happened. Now, there's something powerful to orient our, our hearts away, away from ourselves, right? And that's what Paul's calling us to do here. He goes, don't make it about you. It's not about the rain, right? It's not about, right? Oftentimes when we come, we are so much more self-aware than Christ-aware. We're coming so much more for Man, and getting our needs met, the meeting the needs of others, or even going, man, God, what are you calling us to do today? What are you calling us outside of ourselves to be a part of? If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing from his spirit, tenderness and compassion make my joy complete by being like-minded with Christ, doing nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, considering others as better than yourself. Not grumbling, not arguing. And the result of this is joy. Paul ends by simply saying this, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice, so you should also be glad and rejoice with me. As even if our lives are being poured out, whatever you're in the middle of, the mess you're in the middle of, the hard you are in the middle of right now, my invitation is first, as we've learned in verses one through four, be encouraged by Christ. Set your heart on Christ. Consider him. See him for who he is. Bow your knee to him. And look to this group he's given you to do life with. And don't grumble about it. Don't argue. But fill your heart with the encouragement of Christ and go out and love passionately one another. Because we will grumble. We will grumble and it will be a sickness and some of us carry that sickness to death. We will grumble until it is really about God and not about us. But when it is really about God, then we will shine like stars in this dark place we find ourselves in. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father. We just we thank you again for the gift of your son Jesus, who came to serve not to be served. Came to save because we so desperately needed a savior. Came to show us the way home. God, I pray that our hearts will be so full of this. Uh, Just we, we worship that we are full of praise and we overflow with love. God, we do pray that when grumbling or argument or Angry or evil words try coming out of our mouth. God, you'll just put a stop to that. God, you'll, you'll fill us with conviction. God, we'll repent of that. And so we can deeply love you, one another, and be your light to this world. This world who is so, so needing light right now. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you to take communion with us, and in taking communion, um, we always invite you to do it as an act both of worship and confession. If there's something on your heart that you just feel has been keeping you from God or one another, it's a great time to confess it before you take these elements that remind us of the price Jesus paid to forgive us of our sins. Um, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. So make it right with God and others before you take this. And if you want to come and worship, please, please take that with us. If you need prayer, uh, Ibrahim is also over there to pray for you.